0: The Anton Savage Show on News Talk. I am joined by John Lee, executive editor of DMG Media, of course the parent company of the Irish Daily Mail and Mail on Sunday, and Maura Duran, a TV presenter, and her off the Today Show uh, to discuss the uh, stories making the news. And there is obviously moment of, momentous and significant stuff in all of the papers, but something close to your own heart, Maura, on the front of the Irish Independent, photo of a it could be a donkey, could be a horse. I'm, I'm sketchy on the detail, standing in front of a stone wall. Um, out we assume on the Aran Islands which are going to be inundated with tourists thanks to the Banshees it's a horse it's a Is horse. It a horse. Yeah, right, and
1: it's on of Florida and his horse. Yes, and we are hoping to capture every tourist that comes to Ireland this year out on the islands. And we're fighting with Ackle. We're fighting with them because, of course, the Banshee of Inish was filmed on Inishmore and also on Ackle. It was split. But it was great. I mean, the, the, it was it was great excitement on the island and Colin Farrell and Brendan Gleeson and the whole lot out there. It really was fabulous. And they were just the nicest people. My sister worked on the Roisin. She was doing a bit of makeup on it, not not on the, on the whole thing, but on a bit of it. But I mean she's worked with them before but you know, they really are the loveliest people and Colin Farrell walking around with his little kishon on his little basket in the local shop buying his groceries. You know so it was just very normal. You know.
0: House, how... Interwoven is the community these days. Does everybody know everybody
1: else? Yeah, I was only there last weekend and it's funny because, you know, actually yesterday I just, um, I'm one of the ambassadors for Chatham the Gaelge and I was, uh, we were launching it yesterday for this year and it was interesting because I was just back from the island last week and, you know, it's, it's still the same as when I grew up in the 70s and 80s because you arrive there and every single person speaks Irish from the minute you get off the plane or the boat or whatever. So we are, I know every single person there and they know me but over the last, especially 20 years, we have an awful lot more outsiders living there, which is brilliant, you know, and the community is more diverse, like all parts of Ireland at this stage. And, you know, most people do kind of just integrate pretty well. Yeah, Do, What's the reaction
0: to outsiders? Because there are certain communities where there have been an influx of Europeans in, into oh, the yeah. area and there's a slight in some areas resentment of you know where are all you blow-ins coming from? Is there an element of that
1: from? But it's funny you know everyone says that moves to a small community will you always be the outsider? You know what I mean? Like when we grew up the Irish for, you know, we say is the Irish for tourist, but we call them Strancheri and that's what we still call them strangers. And it's funny when you think about it, I'm only thinking of these things now, you know, but that's what it was. There isn't resentment, no, really, to be honest, but like everywhere else, you do need new people to, you know, take jobs and do new work and a lot of people would come for, you know, the tourist season and some stay. But, Often some, you know, island life is not for everyone because the winter can be bleak, you know, really. The summer is lovely and the weather and all that. But, you know, it's not easy. But there are, the people that stay on the island are people who kind of will integrate properly, if you know what I mean. It'll be their kind of soul home. But that
0: is a good point. I imagine mid-December on the islands yeah. when you've had a couple of weeks of bad, continuous weather. Yeah ooh that could get tired.
1: I mean it's fabulous in one way the wildness of it all and I love that but <laughs> let's be honest about things Ireland in the rain and the wind sometimes can be tough you can sing it yeah
0: Tech saying the islands are so beautiful it feels like a switch off from reality when you're there and so lovely to embrace our national language there as well John are you an Ireland Islands fan?
2: We were there in summer first, ah. uh, first time I was there for many we stayed in Connemara for our holidays and we went to Inishmore for the day mm. and hired oh, the, the bikes you could do a day trip Everyone out, out the ferry yeah. mm. so we got off, went to spar for her lunch. This was not <laughs> the I most cultural. <laughs> went for the bikes and then I think 800 yards up the road my daughter Kitty said, Daddy I'm tired so we went to the beach for the day and went home. <laughs> it, was, it must be the hottest day they've ever had in the Iron Islands though. So it was right in the middle of August. It was 35 degrees, there's so it was, like was it. too hot. Yeah. To yeah, but
1: there's nowhere like it in the heat. I was
0: saying this tomorrow during the week when I, uh, I was down in Cork with her. The, the, I had friends who came over from um, Florida and we went out to the Iron Islands yeah. and literally they went home more tanned than they came over. They it's got sunburned on the Iron Islands. Really, I don't
1: know what it is. I just think it's limestone because it heats up. I really believe that it's hotter out there and I say this to people oh, and they think I'm just making out. it up to get, get more people to come. But seriously, it is. It's boiling. When it's hot, it's really hot.
0: We should put the Iron Islands to one side, as tempting as it is to keep talking about them because there is a lot in in the uh, papers to discuss. And one of the things, John, that is coming up a lot is uh, cost of living. Your own paper reporting the headline, Leo Warren's tax cuts will end as cost of living increases. And David Riley and Craig Hughes writing that Leo Varadkar warned that temporary tax breaks are going to come to an end and said living costs will continue to rise.
2: Michael McGrath's getting a quick introduction to Minister for Finance to Leo Varadkar. All the announcements are made by the the boss. Um, These cost of living um, benefits probably arose from a a precedent that had come about in COVID. But the beauty of COVID was we knew once the restrictions ended, or the only beauty there was about COVID, I guess, for the government, the, the payments would stop. The problem with the cost of living is there is no there's nothing on the horizon to indicate that it's it's going to end. So the government has to take that step eventually, which is going to be very difficult for them because their budget was probably the best received we've seen ever. Well, certainly the last 20 years,
0: I think. Um...
2: One would and there is a disproportionate
0: gather. effect from the removal of something compared to the yeah. giving of it. People really resent it going away. But accountants
2: don't like a repeated cost. One would guess from all the mood music that the nine the percent facility for on VAT for the hospitality sector is going to go. Um petrol will go up during the summer there's been cuts in excise duty and it looks like they're going to go so they they that seems to be the temporary they the temporary tax measures that Leo Varadkar is talking about but there will be it seems uh, another round of payments for social welfare recipients and others perhaps a universal fuel payment also so there will be a continuance of those payments but ultimately unless they bring in uh, across the board increase in social welfare in the October budget, we won't be seeing a continuance of these things. And, no, and, and everybody,
0: I mean, the ESRI and all are saying that the targeting of whatever supports are there is what's vital, that those who are on the margins need it, but the rest of
2: us yeah, don't. Yeah, but they will always say officially that that is very, very difficult to do, to means test people for, one, for one-off payments. But what I think the real reason is um, if you're Finnegade or finna fall. Your target audience often is the middle classes, the so-called middle classes, if they exist anymore. And there's no harm in giving them a few quid too, whatever else is getting it. And they would often say they're struggling with with fuel bills. So I don't think, and we've had the calls for targeted payments for an awful long time. And even if you think, and there's a collective political memory of this in 2008, there was an attempt to means test the medical card, Mm. and that led to one of the most virulent. Uh, protests we've ever seen in Ireland um, on something like that governments don't do means testing unless they have to and that's over a long period of time. It, once off payments, it's going to be very difficult to do that.
0: Interesting text saying the Irish Hotels Federation has written an open letter to government. As you make your decision on the future of the 9% tourism VAT rate, there is a fundamental question we would ask you to consider given our is already one of the most expensive places in Europe to live and do business in. Why should Ireland as an island destination have the third highest tourism VAT rate in all of Europe? Increasing the tourism VAT rate to 13.5% would mean we would become an outlier among our European competitors in terms of consumer tax on overseas visitors and Irish people holidaying at home. I don't know more if the Hotels Federation and hoteliers are going to get much in the way of sympathy to you.
1: No, I don't think so. And I suppose we always knew, as John was saying, this was going to end, and it was extended. And I suppose that is the the reality of this. I mean, we probably will have a good year for tourism. I mean, going back to the Banshee of Inishurn. I mean, th- those those kind of films and stuff like this can put Ireland on the map throughout Ireland, not just where they were filmed. And I'm not saying that will bring tourists. But you know what? I come from a very tourist area, and people do rely on tourism. But you know, the reality is the cost of living. Crisis is real. It's 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 getting worse. I mean, it, all you need to do is do your weekly shop, and it's something like sixteen percent increase in groceries. Sixteen point five, I think, over the last seven weeks. That has actually come, and we all notice that. It doesn't matter, you know, where you are. But you know, maybe they could look down the road at some top ups. They haven't ruled that out, I suppose, for certain areas. And I think that's probably what they will do. But, but of course, the big
0: risk is they have to be very careful not to do what the economists would suggest becomes a a, a vicious cycle, where that you give the supports, and then flow back into. Economy and support the inflation that you're trying to get rid of. of
1: I suppose yeah. we just don't want to be back where we were. We still have the memory of you know, Troika at our door and all that. And people are still worried about, you know, the reality is the government have to be cautious to a point. I think it's balanced. And, you know, but we do have to help people that really need it right now. And that that is the truth. And I think, you know, there's a the couple of hundred coming down the road again for the fuel and all that. But I think they may have to look at maybe top ups in some areas. I really think they will.
0: Meanwhile, there are, uh, it looks like, uh, further problems with the um, hospital system around the country and possible industrial action because the Irish Examiner front page is saying nothing ruled out to fix hospitals. Thichek of Varadkar has told hospital campaigners that nothing is ruled out when it comes to reopening emergency departments in a bid to try to solve the overcrowding in ho- hospitals. And this, John, comes on the um, heels of the Irish Nurses and Midwives organisation saying that they're going to ballot members for strike action and if they think in their local hospital or where they're working that it has become dangerous and problematic, they can say, we're downing tools.
2: Yeah, the nurses' um, warnings of strike action aren't wholly based on pay. Um, they, they throughout the pandemic, complained about what they seemed to feel was a, excuse me a, an official disregard for their safety with COVID and now with, it seems from the reports I've seen, um, behavior of some people in in A and E and, and a lack of proper protection. We did have an awful incident in a hospital uh, in 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 Cork not so long ago. So I'm surprised that we haven't had a, a, a complete rash of industrial action after the after the the, the emergence from, from COVID. Cost of living would indicate that. Wage rises are leaving. So, if a cost living crisis, wage wages are the next are the next issue to be dealt with, and that across the board hasn't reared its head in, in the fashion that it has in Britain. No, because the instance. INMO's
0: main concern is staffing levels. It's yeah. saying that there there aren't enough staff to keep the hospitals at a safe level.
2: I wonder. It's just me wondering. Are the are the are the are the wage issues not to the forefront because an awful lot of people who seek to make um, uh, better wages in that in that that profession seem to emigrate. So. Um, But no, their their issues have come out of COVID when an awful lot of things were put on uh, uh, in cold cold freeze and now they want their conditions improved and it doesn't seem to ever be an issue, the um, resources put into the health service it seems to be a use of those, source, uh, those and it resources. Is,
0: it, it's one of these where it is ever thus. We're now, what, three decades into this being the same problem.
1: Yeah, we're, we're kind of, I suppose, when you famously, you know, think of the health service or going to the Department of Health would be referred to as going to Angola back a uh, hundred years ago. Yeah, it seems like, you know, we can't right remember. Blank. I mean, when you think of it, I was just in a hospital myself recently with my mother just bringing her in for an appointment uh, in Galway. And I have to say, you know, it, it did work. One thing that I noticed during COVID in a strange way is that because Because everything had to be kind of almost you know your appointment was at this time and then you couldn't come in until that So in a a strange way this did work you know sectioning people out in different areas walking along and knowing where you were but it doesn't matter what happens there's always a lack of resources and a lack of people and what I noticed the last time was trying to find someone to ask what was happening next Yeah. you know and I just think it doesn't matter what's happening or how much money like you said Anton it's like where is everyone and another thing somebody was telling me recently and I often think sometimes you need to be in the position of in a hospital yourself either as a patient or as these nurses are saying to actually understand what's happening and I noticed that you know, somebody was saying they were in hospital and they couldn't just find anyone to ask to get them something. You know, it was, they were calling the bell and this type of thing. And that is lack of resources. I mean, totally. that certainly yeah. is lack of resources.
0: And you see, I mean, when you're in, particularly A&E, but in any functional hospital, when you look at how frazzled the staff are, simply yeah. with throughput of trying to get to the next thing.
1: They're hither and thither and not, there aren't enough of them, it seems to me. It just, just looking around the other day when I was in there, I felt they were under extreme pressure to get things done. Well,
2: of course, there are societal issues as well with the flood of people that come to A&E, for instance, on a Friday and Saturday night, that's beyond the control of government and resources. So there have been calls from various unions to deal with that Well, I mean, that's, this, a, that's a completely dis- that's every <laughs>
1: single year and they say okay this vomiting bug it's the winter flu it's all this and now it's levelling they always say it starts levelling from now but it's every year this happens but I'm talking about just regular outpatients departments yeah. now it looked efficient in the sense of you know you will wait your turn your number will come up on screen but yet they just weren't enough people to physically do the job that's my own observation which is, what they, which is observation. the point that
0: the INMO are saying they're saying hospital management in each location cannot keep trying to fill from an empty cup yeah. the ex- expectation that we can run our health service at less than safe staffing capacity must be challenged. And that's um, uh, the emergency department nurse, Karen McGowan. And I if you don't President have enough people
1: to watch, you know, almost do you need security staff on top of nurses? I mean, that's almost when you talked about that incident. Is this what's needed now? I mean, is this where we are? That's very worrying.
0: On the cost of living tax saying these extortionate prices of everything are not sustainable for us all to afford. The government should be obliged to continue to help us I, for one, am struggling hugely financially. And I think anybody who finds themselves in a position where they're, if they have a a relatively small income, the proportion that they have to spend on food and on fuel is disproportionate compared to the rich. And they are the very areas where the inflation is being most intractable and most difficult and therefore most impactful. Tech saying, I'm in the public sector. We got a wage increase with back pay. If we voted against, we wouldn't get the back pay. 53106, if you want to get in touch. Um, John, Yes, Bertie's back. Yes.
2: Bertie was um, on with uh,
0: Pat Kenny. You know what? The I didn't week.
2: get to listen to it. I I, I oh, only, only because I saw Alistair Campbell was involved I just have to G gee myself up <laughs> to face Alistair. I do listen to him on week in politics, but he is not a big fan of the Daily Mail and um but There's I will a long listen list to of it. things Alistair Campbell is not a big fan <laughs> no, of. But um it, 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 I can't wait to listen to it. But I am one of those who um is somewhat a disbeliever in a lot of the criticism Bertie O'Hearn has had. But what I would um, think is not a great idea was he to run for elective office. The the world has moved on. Um, There is talk about him running for the presidency. I think that could have been prevented. There's, There's... you've got to section things off of Bertie Ahern I think when it comes to speaking about the economy and dealing with the economy even though he left in April 2008 he, that era will never be left behind any of Fáil politician and their reputation and I think that's fair enough but he brought peace to Northern Ireland it is still the most successful peace process in the Western world bar well, none. Well, steady. And, and he he was
0: Superman acting
2: alone. Well, I, I, I don't believe... Now, of course, there was a Labour Prime Minister in, in government, a young Labour Prime Minister, and there was a dynamic between the two of them. And we've never pro- probably had much success with There was buckets Tory, of heavy lifting by Reynolds in advance. Yes, but I I really don't believe we would have done it without Bertie Ahern And... Just as Brian Cowan's uh, reputation did not uh, ever recover from being the man in the place when the economy collapsed, Bertie had the luck to be there when peace was struck. He has done a lot of quiet work, on conflict resolution around the world which hasn't gotten much attention in Ireland but, but is certainly well regarded. John and
0: this is the point that Paquenny made to him when he was talking. He said look if you throw your hat into the electoral ring for the presidency and even by rejoining your local common what you have done is breathe life back into the Mahan Tribunal. We had all forgotten about it for several years moved on and now it has come back because you're back in this milieu and the next question was effectively are you going to run for presidency which Bertie couldn't have dodged any more if he had thrown himself out the window. He is evidently considering a presidential run. Is he wrong? Well,
2: it's it's Down to Fall and I I wrote it last week in my column in the Mail on Sunday that um, I spoke to a number of TDs in Leinster House who want him to run in the general election. Um, I think there's an element of delusion in Finnafall when it comes to some of the problems they had in the past it is not a time I believe to step back to previous figures it just isn't politics has moved on that presidential election and again I'm, I I think Bertie O'Hearn should have been given an official peace role a long time ago in Ireland and that would be his strength that presidential election as we all know the three of us have observed it is the dirtiest election there is. Michael D. um stayed above the fray. Um but I just cannot imagine to be anything yeah, other than a bruising note. experience know, for Bertie or her
1: That's what I say. I just feel it's funny. You know, when he was asked in the beginning it was like are you going to run for the presidency? When is that again? Oh, it's you a know, long time ago. Oh, it's 18 months. I just feel that it's almost <laughs> like the peace process, 25 years. When you look at that, OK, and his announcement of joining the common again, that type of thing. I just feel it's it's too, I I, well, I see, The, I the really thing that think I wonder,
0: that more is in, in electoral terms, Bertie didn't lick it off the rocks. No. This is a man who knows politics and he knows getting himself Does he think and, that oh, the peace the
1: process cancelled the Mahan Tribunal? That's what
0: I'm wondering. Does he think you are all grand? You can have a go at me, you can criticise me in print, but fundamentally, I think there's a vote out there for me.
1: Yeah, well, a lot of people, I think, still have a bit of a growth of I do. Well I,
2: well, I would say the future of Finnefall is dependent on putting that era behind them. And I fundamentally believe Finnefall's connection with the economic crash won't be fully severed until Michal Martin um, leaves leaves national politics. You know, we have a very strange phenomenon here. We criticise Britain for going through three Prime Ministers in, uh, in less than a year. But I would say you would struggle in British politics, in French politics, in, in well, American politics is a bad one actually because they're all outfitted yeah, there. Steady. But to find anyone that was around in Cabinet mm-hmm. in 1997 that is still, in Micheál Martin's case, um, Tarnished her and just has just left. Tisha, we have a terrible lack. Of ability to rotate our senior politicians. Why do we need to go back to someone of that era? The time is done. Bertie's achieved ten years as as, as Tishuk. Micheal Martin has been around forever. Leo Varadkar's been in cabinet for twelve years, solidly without break. I don't think it's. I don't think it's good for Irish politics to so be the
1: same people at the top that all the time. He, he is just now. I still think it's something that is on his horizon. I do. I believe he's thinking about it. I don't think there's. This is just a coincidence.
0: We will watch this space more, Duran and John Lee. Thank you both very much. The Anton Savage Show, Saturday morning at 9 on News Talk.